you might not know who Midnight City is, but you probably heard that Double Fine is going to be making Costume Quest 2, and that wouldn't have happened without the folks at Midnight City, which is actually a uh, subsidiary of Majesco. Yes, that company is somehow still around. Uh, I'm as surprised as you are. And also, did you know that their stock ticker is COOL? C-O-O-L. Anyway, uh, I had a chance to talk with the guy who's basically heading up Midnight City, sort of Majesco's indie publishing label that is trying to work with developers uh, to just make cool things happen. Uh, he uh, is a guy that's come from the press and worked in development and now is doing game production slash publishing. Casey Lynch has kind of been everywhere and done everything. Uh, so we sat down for a little bit to talk about his role and what he plans to do with Midnight City. Well, let's just start, let's start basics. Like yep. elevator pitch, Midnight City. Uh, Midnight City's a uh, independent publishing label. We're a division of Majesco, and we just work with the indies. We're all digital, um, and like we, uh, we we look to figure out like what developers need and try and sort of meet them where they're at and base our relationships on those needs. And every developer's different. Like some studios we work with, they've got one or two people, and so they need like everything, and they've never shipped a game on console, um, so they don't have any first-party relationships. They don't have dev kits. They, they really don't have access to middleware. Um, they've never really done any sort of professional like PR or marketing or community building. A lot of them have like really small Twitter followings, and so like that's one situation. Whereas you know, then working with a company like Double Fine or Fulbright, they're in a completely different situation, and so they, you know, they need different stuff. So, so what we try and do is like figure out, okay. What are you good at? What does your game need? Where should your game be? Um, and like I said, you know, sort of build the way that we work and our partnerships around that, as opposed to just, um, I don't know, just signing a whole bunch of stuff and just funding everything and just throwing it all against the wall. Uh I think a lot of people are surprised when they hear the name Majesco. Like, it's a company that has been through <laughs> a lot of yep. changes. Yeah. You know, like a company that tried to do AAA, didn't really work out. Then they were making, like, Pokemon Game Boy Advance cartridges. I think they were putting episodes out on that, and that was very profitable for them, and then that stopped. Like, so, how, like, why Majesco? Like, how did, how did that relationship sort of come about? Well, so, before um, I was at IGN, I was at Reverb, and right. so, and I worked with Harmonix and on the Rock Band stuff. Um, and so the guy that started Reverb and um, the president, his name's Doug Kennedy, so he had a relationship with Majesco. They were a client of theirs. So and this was, I don't know, like four or five years ago. And so he reached out to me and let me know that they were looking at doing some sort of uh, work with the indies. And they had originally come up with this idea to do like a pub fund. Um, and he asked me, you know, if I was happy with what I was doing and what I wanted to do in the future. And I was like, hey, I, I love what I'm doing at IGN, but, you know, tell me what you have. And uh, so we started talking about it. And I said, you know, I'm not really interested in, like, doing, like, a pub fund. I would be more interested in actually, like, creating, like, a like a smaller label or division, sort of like, a, you know, like a Miramax to their Disney, if you will. Right. Um, like a subsidiary doing very different things, like, like oh yeah, like Disney has all that stuff, right? Like all these, yeah. like, sub-labels like that do. Or, you know, yes. Like, so it gives us the ability to to do our own stuff um, and create our own identity. We have our own staff. We have our own green light process. But then we're able to lean on them for whatever. Like, so if we need, like, they have a internal testing QA department, for instance. So, like, a lot of our developers, they've never gone through an actual real QA submission process. 
So we can we can tap that. Uh, we also, I mean, they've got, you know, they've been around for 30 years, so they have all these different relationships at the first party level, and then at like with third party external outlets, like uh, again with tests and resources, like so we we can we can like pull from all these different things that they already sort of have established and use them as we need them, but we don't need to carry any of that overhead ourselves. Um, but with Majesco in particular, like. You know, they're, they're a company that have been around for a really long time. They've tried a lot of different stuff. Um, they have a history of working with indies, though. I mean, like, they did uh, Psychonauts with Double Fine back in yep. the day. They also have the coolest stock ticker. Right. It's called Cool, it called if cool. I remember yes. right. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I saw Steve Gaynor tweet that after the Gone Home stuff came out. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, right. How did they lock that? How did not anyone else have the stock ticker Cool? Yeah. I mean, that's like getting cool as a Twitter handle or something. Um, yeah, so... Um, but yeah, so they have you know they have a history of working with independents. They did uh, you know they work with the Mustard Brothers before there was anything called Chair, and they did Advent Rising, obviously. Um, and then more recently, they worked with Andy on Monaco. They did um, what did they do? They did Blood Rain Betrayal. They did uh, Double Dragon Neon. But they never had like this full sort of fledged strategy t uh, to like how they would work with developers. Um, so that's where we were able to say, like, hey, this could be, like, a really cool thing. And Manchesco's never been, like, like a spotlight sort of company. Like, they, they're, not, they're not big on um, doing big showy things. They're just sort of, like, they, they're about their business. They plug along. And, you know, all things considered, it's interesting that they're still here and they're still, like, a player, you know. I, I think that's, um, like, when people, when people hear it in the end, they're like, they're still around? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, they're just silently in the background, like, trying different things, and when they don't work out, you know, I think it's mostly surprising because you tend to see, like, the boom and bust cycle re result in, like, a total bust, and then the publisher's gone, whereas, like, Majesco's had ups and downs, and then somehow keep clicking along and try something new. Yeah, I mean, they're really smart. I mean, the uh, the guys that handle all their biz dev are also, like, their general counsel, so, I mean, they're lawyers, they, they understand contracts, they understand relationships, and they've been around long enough where they know, like, pretty much everybody. Um, and you know, for our business, for our side of the business, like we don't pay that much attention to a, a lot of their the core stuff that they focused on for the past like five or six years, like Zumba, for instance. Right. Like that wasn't a huge game that everybody was talking about or everybody was was playing. Um, you know, in the sort of core enthusiast, um, you know, market, right? But um, I mean, those games did some crazy. I don't know, like nine million units, you know, over the course of, of several years. Which for a company like Majesco, that's huge, and that's like <laughs> full, you know, retail on all platforms, you know, right. box products. It's not digital downloads. Um, so they did really well. Um, and they also, um, they've been smart with their licensing. So like you mentioned, like they did huge like GBA stuff back in the day. Um, and then more recently, lots of DS stuff like Cooking Mama. I mean, yep. that, that's them. Um, so again, you know, like, like for me, like I was interested because I thought, hey, you know, this is sort of like an opportunity to create something that's new. Because like we're seeing this divide happen in the business where like AAA is going increasingly more AAA and they're paring down and just focusing on smaller like or fewer but bigger projects. Like if you look at EA and Activision, like they 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 trim stuff out. I mean, sure they do their license stuff, but like they they're really focusing on very particular brands and franchises and going big on all of them. Uh, and then there's this huge sort of uprising on the underground with indie, right? And you know that's even become more prominent more recently, like with companies like Sony really paying attention and even incorporating it to the point where last year at E3, like they had you know nine independent developers up on stage right next to like in the same breath as they're saying like Killzone Shadow. Right. They're like Octodad. The Octodad. I think Octodad is like the, holy cow. the best example of yeah. that. You know, and, and that's terrific. So, I mean, like Sony really gets it. I think, you know, and those guys have a great team. But um, 
but yeah, so what's happening is there's like what used to be the middle is kind of disappearing, and uh, it's sort of like the B level, like the like games that are like trying to be AAA games but don't have the budget or resources to pull it off. Like this sort of like B level game is disappearing, and indies are coming from the ground up as opposed to from AAA down and sort of filling in that gap that disappeared. Yeah, and and so so everything's kind of changing. The way that it looks changes in these companies. Like we're we're one of them, um, and then another one like I would say is like maybe like Telltale, for instance, where, you know, you wouldn't have seen maybe four or five years ago like a, a, a single studio working with licensed IP, self-publishing on every single platform, everything from iOS to Steam to consoles, um, and they're handling that entire business themselves. And now they've expanded obviously with Borderlands and Game of Thrones, and they're huge, which is cool. But so it's interesting. Like, so I guess a year ago I thought, okay. I, like things are going to continue to move this way, so we can sort of define this new middle. And I think that you know, in the years to come, we're going to see that that new middle kind of crystallize, where you've got companies like us, who like we work with everybody from Double Fine and Fulbright to you know Action Button and you know Blue Isle, who did Slender. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got guys like Telltale, and then there's there's other people who've been doing this for a while, like Devolver as well. Um, and I think we're going to see that actually kind of create a, a space that that hasn't been occupied by these sorts of uh, these companies in the past and so for me that there was an appeal to do that as opposed to say for instance like try and do this at EA or Activision right. like which we could have and we would have had a totally different type thing and you know great war chest and you know we'd be able to, to say oh give me the entire PR team or whatever it is but like I would have I would have thought that we would just be like a little blip on their radar, and with Majesco, like we're we're a really big deal for them. Like they really care, uh, like about what we're doing, and like so it matters. So so that was sort of the the thinking behind working with Majesco. So you you specifically you're interesting because you've a lot of people you know you started in games writing and went you you did PR you did like product development like you, and then you've come into publishing. Like you've some people go one side or the other. Like you've done every single angle of that. It's like. What sort of perspectives does that give you, having sort of touched both like editorial to PR to production, and now into like sort of choosing sort of like different games to publish? I mean, it's totally given me a different perspective. Like, I mean, most of my experience up until I worked at Reverb was, uh, or Radar Group even before that, um, was uh, was all editorial. I mean, I started at the LA Times, and most most of what I was covering back then wasn't even games. That's what I wanted to do, and I really wanted to be a music writer. That was like my my bliss. Um, Says the guy with the Metallica shirt yeah. on right now. But, you know, back <laughs> and, and a publishing group called Midnight City, which may as well sound like some sort of 80s rock group. Right. Well, actually, we tried to model it off a record label. That's sort of what we're going for. <laughs> I could see that. But, um, but I mean, when I started at the LA Times, like, there was no internet. And so to have somebody's job, somebody would have to, like, die or quit. And, like, my hero was Jonathan Gold. And, you know, he's still there. So that tells you, like, how that was. <laughs> now, obviously, things changed. If I would have stayed, I, you know, the internet happened. And there's plenty of room for everybody. But, uh, you know, I'm glad I did what I did. But, um, you know, like, for instance, uh, when I worked at Reverb and worked on harmonics and all that different stuff and then went back into editorial and worked at IGN, like, I had a completely different perspective, both on, like, understanding sort of, like, the story that, uh, like, the PR and marketing sides of businesses are trying to tell. Like, because I think it's really easy to get very cynical and jaded and and think, like, okay, I need to create, you know, like, a, a buffer zone. And, like, these people are my friends. I see them at events or whatever. But, like, they're PR and they're marketing and, right. and I'm writing about games. And... And, you know, I, I think you absolutely obviously have to have that separation, but, like, I think it's important to understand where people are coming from, because half of what we do is, is understanding intent, um, and I think that, that that understanding helps to shape sort of the, the way that we approach how we do what we do. Um, if Without that understanding, it's super easy to, um, 
to think the worst. And I, I think we live in a society, or that sounds too grand, like we work in a business where uh, there is a giant temptation to always think the worst. And we get that coming at us all the time. You know, It's a very Twitter. secretive industry, like in, in a way that I think allows that sort of thought to to be more pervasive than reality would actually probably prove it to be. True, yeah, absolutely. And then we've got all this noise now that we didn't 10 years ago, like on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere, <laughs> yeah. where, where that, you know, predominantly the loud voices, you know, it's never it's never the, the people who are like totally overjoyed and stoked that are loud on Twitter. It's yeah. the people that, you know, you they- can't, You can't silently nod very loud. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can only favorite something once and, you know, and most people don't take the time to like, write, you know, some sort of comment that's like, man, that's really awesome. And people do. And, I, you know, I'm not. Yeah. But, but, um, but so anyways, I, I think coming back into games media with that experience, like, I, I felt like it helped me to relate to a lot of the PR people. Um, and then a lot of the business people, like, to see, like, okay, well, why did this company decide to sign this this game? Or why did they decide to launch it in this way? And, and what were the risks? And what were they trying to manage? Um, and how maybe could they have done it better? And, you know, I mean, there's so many different examples. Um, you know, but I, I think it helped. I would like to think that it helped sort of guide the way that uh, we shaped the coverage when I was at IGN to, to say, like, okay, you know, we, we want to be fair, but we also, like, we want to be, like, you, you hear this term enthusiast press, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that's all wrong. Like, like I, for me, like, what, what, what I want to be a part of is, like, optimist press. Um, and not press per se, but, like, like I want to believe. Like, I believe in games. I love games. And I love the people who make them. And I, you know, I am a person who plays them. And I love people who play them. Like, I, like for me, like, one of my favorite things is just sit around and drink beer and talk about games. And, you know, like, what are you playing? What are you playing? And, and talk, like, oh, my gosh, I played this. It was crazy. What are you, you know. Um, and I, I think that it's super easy to get out of that and instead just sort of live in a world where we're totally cool with just, like, I don't know, just talking shit, you know? And, um <laughs> There's definitely a pervasiveness of like negativity and cynicism because that's it's very that's very easy, right? It like is, yeah. it's a lot harder to like be optimistic and have hope. Like it's very easy to be cynical and negative and that tends to be what sort of dominates the conversation. Absolutely. I mean it's like if you're a comedian, the easy things are like racial and sex jokes, right? Yeah, it's the cheap shots. Yeah. So and I'm not trying to be dismissive of criticism. Um, but so anyways, uh, to your original question, I mean, I think it, uh, I would like to think that it really helped to give me a, a totally different perspective. Um, you know, and, you know, especially like going back and then going into something that was totally different and then going back and now going into what I'm doing now, like, like I, I've been able to try a whole bunch of different stuff and I'm super grateful for that. I mean, I love what I do. I love what I get to do. And so, I mean, I, I love my job and it's awesome that I get to do all this different crazy shit. So, so. Like to give maybe people a better understanding, like, like you guys announced Costume Quest Two is one of the, the the first stuff that you guys are are collaborating on. Um, like, how long does it take for something like that to come together? Well, so, so okay, so well, I'll back up just a second. So last year in June, I quit IGN right after E3. We announced the company at PAX, and we announced with ten games. Right. Um, so so far since then, since last year at PAX, we've released four of them. Um, we had our first conversation with Double Fine the first day we announced everything at PAX. So, I mean, I've known them for a long time and they got in touch immediately and like, oh my gosh, I didn't know what you were doing. Like, let's sit down and let's talk. So, and they were coming at it from, um, they had a bunch of their Amnesia Fortnite games and uh, that they were really invested in and interested in and, you know, their teams were excited about them. And so uh, they kept saying like, oh, hey, we could, we could work on this game, we could work on this game. And, uh, and we kept coming back saying, oh man, we want to do Costume Quest. And so like when the internal team heard that we were interested in that, they got really excited. That's something that you guys brought was like, hey, we'd like to see you. Yeah, like they pitched us on, um, 
like I said, like a bunch of Amnesia games. Like one of them was Black Lake. We were looking at that. Cause that's an awesome game, and I love that game. Um, but yeah, we, you know, like I'm a huge fan of Costume Quest and Tasha and like everything, you know, from the original game. And so we thought, you know, Double Fine's never done a sequel. Um, and I mean, they've done like add-on stuff. Like yeah. uh, there was Grubbins on Ice, obviously with right. Costume Quest. But like they've never nothing done, with like, a two. They've never done a game <laughs> with a two. Exactly. So we thought, you know, uh, for our first sort of outing and our first partnership, let's let's do something that is manageable. It's a project we can get done in a year. We have a hard deadline, so it's not going to slip because it's it's a Halloween game. Yeah. Um, and uh, and what does everybody think? And so we all worked on that for a long time. And so that those conversations started in August of last year, and we just announced a week ago. So that's about how long it took. But we we signed the deal like late last year, and right. so I mean the game's been in production since December. Right. So. So what, I imagine, like, in your travels, like, you're going to be getting a lot of pitches this week. You're going to be seeing a lot of games. Like, you see a lot of very, like, there's a lot of eccentricity in, in video game designers. Like, part of what you do is, like, meeting with folks that aren't used to maybe partnering with a publishing arm, a, you know, someone that's going to exert some level, you know, hopefully a friendly amount of control over the process. Like, how do you get people used to that? Like, how do you get people comfortable with, like, someone else coming in and, like, we're going to help you with your game. We want to make this better. But, like, you know, a lot of game developers are, like, very, very selective over who they allow into that process. Sure. Um, I mean, we, uh, I mean, part of it that we come to them is, like, our team, uh, and we have, like, a video team that we're putting together, too, like, is made up of, of journalists. So, like, we're used to covering events. We're used to reviewing games. And so we're able to, to let them know that we're not just, you know, businessmen. Um, you know, I mean, I've been reviewing games for the better part of the last 20 years and you know so have some of the guys on our team and so like for us like we're not like with with the projects that that we work with we're not necessarily looking to to change the direction of the game um we do let them know like hey we'll play all of your builds we'll play everything as it comes in and we'll give you like feedback to say like hey from like a from a citizen's perspective like this is what i think yeah from a like a critical perspective this is how i think the reaction is going to be these are the things that that people might get hung up on and these are things that might be sort of um consistent across different reviews um so if there are areas that we might be able to suggest improvements on then we absolutely identify those and i think that they appreciate it because like we play their games and we you know we get together with them and we talk and like we're just like them so um, on the flip side, most of the people that we work with are really uh, relieved to be able to hand off a lot of that stuff because, I mean, you know, like, there's a lot of developers that are really good at all these different things. Like, independent, independent developers that, they go to all the events, they're... they're you know how the game is played to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, they're active on Twitter, they, they know the press, they're able to sort of do a lot of that stuff on their own. Um, but for every you know handful of dozen of developers that are like that, there's hundreds out there that that have never done any of that. They don't know anybody in the press. They've never put a game out on console. They have two or f three or four people. So if you if you take time away from the game to do community outreach and PR and go on the road and go to events, that's time that the game's not being worked on. So we're able to say like, okay, you don't have the the overhead or the ability to like bring on like a marketing person or a PR person or a community person so let us do that for you and and we put together all the messaging with them we work on all like the graphics trailers assets all that kind of stuff like we do that in cooperation um, we have our own team that that handles all that stuff too so so I mean we're able to to come in and, and offer this stuff where you know they would have to do it all on their own um, and so so for the teams that are in that type of a position it, it I mean it works out really great